0: Welcome to HW 3.44 featuring Russ Joy. I'm Jim, joined as always by Jack and Kyle. If you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Just a quick shout-out to our affiliate sites, FullPressCoverage.com and BellyUpSports.com. Check them out during the episode. And while you're listening to the episode, check out our site, HWHockey.net. Yes, I know. It's not updated. Getting to it, putting out a lot more content. So we're gonna have that update for for you soon. But boys, feels like it's been a while since we've uh been on for a show. Feels good. Happy belated Father's Day, by the way.
1: Thank you. Thanks. how Appreciate did it, it. For me?
0: How did it Abby, feel?
1: Uh, Abby got an absolute kick out of your text, by the way. The veteran presence father. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are you're the you're the father Faja veteran presence on HW. Jack's the rookie. And I'm just, I'm in the minors. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Waiting on that call. (laughs) I'm trying my best. I'm trying hard over
2: here. I'm working. He's going to be a career CHL guy if he's not careful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, we are having a guest. Our good buddy, Rush Joy, is coming on to join us in just a little bit. Any minute now, actually. Hopefully, the link works for him. Boys, a lot to talk about as far as who we want to bring in. In general, Flyers news, there's nothing going on. So, we're creating a little bit to talk about. And, you know, before we, we have a game for you, for the listeners coming up. And it's called So You're Saying There's a Chance. And where did we get that from? Well, everyone's favorite movie. Everyone's seen Dumber Dumber. Here's the clip. We're going to be playing this a lot because I got a problem. Here it is. So,
1: you're telling me there's a chance.
0: <laughs> and we're going to be using that. For guys like maybe Jack Eichel, for guys like Matt Dumba, Matt Josh Manson, Rasmus Ristolainen, we're gonna we have a bevy of names that we're gonna pull out of a hat, and we're gonna ask Russ Joy, hey, do you want this guy? Is there a chance the Flyers could sign or trade for this guy? And we're gonna go from there. We're gonna have fun with it. For Russ comes on, I want to ask you guys because Shane O'Brien, I, I can never remember the name of his show. It's the one with Scotty Upshaw though. Uh, he was on uh, a Sportsnet show last night, and he mentioned that Mackachuk wants out of Calgary, and I'm all over that right away. I know you guys know that, but I want to hear what you guys think. If Mackachuk's available, I-, I think I know the answer already. But if you want him, what do you give up? We just lost Jack, so Kyle,
1: Mackachuk, you want him? Uh, that's easy. Buy Konechny. I'll take I'll take Kachuk all day long, straight up for Konechny. Straight up.
0: I I compared the two earlier today on, in case you missed it, and, hey, Konechny's a, a good player. Is he what Flyers Twitter would have you believe he is? No. But he's still a good player. Is he McChuck? I think he wants to be. I don't think he is. I think if there's an opportunity to go out and trade for a McChuck, if he wants to leave Calgary, you absolutely go get him. He's everything this team needs. What do you think?
1: I I think everything that that guy brings to the game is everything the Flyers seem to be lacking severely in. The physical department, the uh the grit, the goal scoring. Boy he can score. Don't don't get it twisted. That guy can score some goals. He's not bad with the puck. He's ferocious on the forecheck and he's pretty good neutral zone and in his own zone. And you know what?
0: I thought he was on the smaller side. And by smaller, I mean five nine, five ten. Is it? He's a big boy. He's what is he? 6'2". Six, six, he's listed six two. Probably in real life, he's six one, but he's over six foot.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with adding a player that fits the bill for Philadelphia. And I don't care what the freaking analytics people say and how Broad Street Hockey is no longer. I don't know if you've been watching any of these playoffs, but the team that the teams that seem to be winning seem to be the teams getting away with all the physical shit.
0: Yeah. I don't see how people can still say that the lightning adding guys like Maroon, Goudreau, Shen, Shen. Yeah. uh, Go
1: ahead. Yeah. You got Shen. Savard plays a physical game.
0: It's not a coincidence.
1: It's not. Coleman plays a physical game. You need these guys. Absolutely. And obviously we're not, we're fully expecting Brady Kachuk, or is it Matt, Matt Kachuk, If he comes here for whatever reason, I don't think the flyers are going to pull that off because I just don't think, I, I feel like Chucky has his mindset on what he wants to do this off season. And it was set before the season even ended. And that's what he's going to be doing. I don't think he's going to be going after a guy like Kachuk.
0: Real quick. Kyle, We have a, a comment over here. Question is, if TK gets traded for Kachuk, does Patrick crawl up TK's ass to go with him to Western Canada?
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a package <laughs> deal and we get a pick back. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Connect me, no. Patrick, to Calgary, get a pick back. Whatever. I'll take yeah. it. At, that, at this point, bring- go ahead. I was like, at, at this point, what's what's Patrick's ceiling? Because it ain't a number one or a number two center anymore. I'm sorry, everybody. That that ship sailed.
0: Yeah. And it, that's an interesting thing to talk about too. But first, let's bring on our guest here, the star guest of the show, Mr. Russ Joy. What's up, Russ? <laughs> Take a bow. Unmute yeah.
1: yourself too.
3: <laughs>
1: I got go. you, dude. Is that <laughs> better?
3: You good now? Gentlemen, hello. Good to you once again. <laughs> Beautiful. What a, so, what a beautiful time to uh, cover the Flyers and to talk about the Flyers. <laughs> I am so excited. You know, nothing makes you feel better about the Flyers' uh, future than watching these playoffs. Oh, it, my God. They're this close. They're this <laughs> close. It's demoralizing, <laughs> isn't it? Because you realize just how far away they are. It's demoralizing if you're completely and utterly incompetent or you're so far into your fanboy zone that you cannot see the light of day. If you live in the land of the rational, you say, yes, actually, this is a good thing because anybody with a with a brain who can objectively go into this and, and take a look at where the Flyers stand, say, wow, this team actually needs some stuff. Good. Maybe we'll actually see some changes this offseason. You know, Chucky's not going to sit on the hands, you know, he's <laughs> not sit inanimate like Chucky the doll in child's play. No, he's going to be like murderous Chucky, like in a good way. We don't usually <laughs> but- like murder, but in this case, this could be fine.
1: But Russ, I mean, come on. It, we're not that far off if you go off of advanced analytics, like Corsi. Our Corsi was
3: pretty good last year. <laughs> I always like, by the way, for, first of all, I didn't even say, Jim, I didn't even see the Forza Azuri hat on your head. Oh, of course. yes, West, right. you know. Good. I'm glad, you know, we can, <laughs> we can have this moment. Um, yes. It's not even, listen, I, I think that like advanced analytics get a bad rap and like I know on our show, we've gotten called out a few times, like people saying that, you know, we're just um, Neanderthals about hockey. And I'm like, no, I think there's real value in analytics. The problem is that a lot of the analytics that teams use, that front offices use, are not publicly available. So it's kind of like, um, let's say I used to be a teacher, right? I'm not a teacher anymore. But like in theory, if you go in and you say – here are all of the uh, the potential answers for the questions. And here are the questions as well. You can have both of those things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you're putting somebody in an advantageous spot to uh, be able to connect those dots in between. And what you have with, you know, the publicly available uh, data and analytics, and that of like what the front offices have, you might have something that like eventually can get you to something they might sort of look at, like, of course he has value to some extent but like when you start comparing it to like i don't know some of the more micro stats it's like those numbers might be the end result they might be something that gets you most of the way there but it's not what the teams are using to evaluate to get to that point if it makes sense it's like there's a whole middle zone that has to happen and by the way like there's there's also another way to look at this which is you know advanced analytics might be like really hyper focused on this area over here and what the teams have available to them and what they actually value is like way over here so it doesn't even matter You know, Um, but hey, it looks good in graphs. That when the graphics are really nice and they pop, and there's red and there's blue, and there's sometimes green and orange, it's it's a really great thing. People like graphics. It's it it is statistically proven.
1: My my absolute favorite. Not to harp on the advanced analytics too much longer here, but my absolute favorite is. Goals per 5v5 estimated. And everybody yeah. seems to have like a 1.68 but only scores 15 goals a year. I'm like, yeah. that doesn't even add up. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. I don't yeah. understand I, this stuff either. We fine. were talking, I think it was last week, uh, we had our buddy Dan Silver on. Hey, Jack's back. Um, we had, Jack, you missed it. You missed everything. everything. We, were, we were talking about the fanboys. You missed it.
3: Liars. <laughs> no way. I've been told that Jack oh, is actually just a fanboy. It's very strange. Jim sent me a DM was, and he's like, I don't know what to do about Jack. He's such a fanboy. He just <laughs> he can't he just can't let it go. He really just has this burning love for everybody on the team and he, he they are all his children and oh, he yeah. just can't let them go. Absolutely. So, that was, was true. Tea, we're, but we're I am actually here for an involved. intervention, Jack. <laughs> I'm no longer that person. Oh
0: shit! Um,
3: Jack just looked like uh the when the weekend did the halftime show. Kind of (laughs) like the station, like the stationing. Whoa! Uh, All right, I love the weekend, Yeah,
0: no, let's bring it back real quick before we move on to um what we were talking about before for Jack. Um, Seth Jones. We had Dan Silver on last week, and we were talking about Seth Jones, how he's bad. Uh in the defensive entries his defensive entries are bad he struggles with that and for whatever reason that's enough of a reason for for people not to want this guy you know and and that to me is you know reading too much into analytics too much into advanced stats because when you watch
1: the guy play
0: he's a solid defenseman he's going to help your team win right or am i wrong
1: No, you're, you're right. And the, my favorite was somebody put together a video clip of him backing in they kept, there was like, I don't know, like 10 videos of handpicked videos of him backing in and they weren't even good. Yeah. He backed up a little bit, but he kept the guys to the outside. The shots came from the boards. I'm like, yeah, you can back in a little bit as long as you keep your gap enough to you force them to the outside. That's perfectly fine. That's defense. That's how you play it sometimes. It, that
2: was the BSH article, and it, it was titled, He Plays Defense Like McDonald. If that's not clickbait, I don't know. What
1: McDonald, McDonald falls down more than he played defense ever. <laughs> that's not my point, though. like
2: I, there, A lot of what was said I could see in the handpicked videos. But for the most part, if you're titling your article that, it's a big head scratch. You're like, hmm. He plays defense like McDonald. Did you actually watch McDonald or is this one little thing that you're blowing up into something else? And I think that's what it was because some of the analytics actually back. If you read Charlie O'Connor's article from the athletic, it backs a lot of what Seth Jones does what the flyers need, such as getting the puck out of the zone.
3: So there's a lot to like there. So uh, I don't know. The whole thing is just kind of silly. Well, I mean, you just brought up the difference between and I'm not a big paywall guy, but you brought up the difference between somebody who is down, covers the team and understands the things that he's writing about. And then somebody who doesn't It's kind of simple. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, I don't even know who wrote the other thing, but like the, the mm-hmm. concept of saying that, like somebody's play is akin to a guy who is massively overpaid and a guy who was like at best, like in his best season is maybe like a a number three defenseman. And you're going to compare that to a guy who for a long time was widely regarded as a top 10, top 15 defenseman in the league and had, you know, real upside they don't compare. It's stupid. It's just, it's, it's clickbaity. And like, I get it because right now, if you're a hockey based website, there's not a whole lot to write about. If you're covering the flyers, uh, unless you want to write a deep dive into some kid playing in Sweden right now. And like why he'd be a beneficial pick late in the draft. I'm sorry, like, I covered the team and I couldn't give a damn. So I get it. But, like, at some point, you're also doing a disservice to your readership by trying to com- like, to compare the two. It's just dumb. Yeah. It, it's like trying to get your your readership incensed enough where they're going to, like, I don't know, try to go to social media and start to, like, to drag the guy. I don't get it. Like, Seth Jones makes this team better. It, it It's not even a matter of... He's not like a Chris Pronger, like he's not going to have that kind of impact, but practically no defenseman in the league right now are going to have that kind of impact. The game is different. So Seth Jones is a solid upgrade to, to this team. You'd be happy to have him. You'd be lucky to have him. Like, lest we forget, this defensive core was not good last year. When when people go and the same ones who are trashing Seth Jones are also the ones to say that Shane Goss' Bear might have been the best and most consistent defenseman a year ago. Folks, we have a problem. That's also cognitive dissonance. Welcome. Welcome. Now,
1: all that being said, also, I was a big (laughs) Seth Jones proponent. Like, I I did. I really wanted Seth Jones here. There was a report out today. Seth Jones says no matter where he goes, he wants to test the free agent market. I don't know if that's factual or if he's just talking. But, I mean, that makes me a little more hesitant to go out and spend, overspend for a one-year Type deal, you know what I mean?
3: I mean, there are two ways to look at that, right? I mean, you, you can look at that and say uh, a team is more likely to give up better prospects or to give up better position players, actual roster players, and draft picks if they know that they're going to have you beyond the one year. um And and a team can ask for a whole lot more when it when the guy's under contract and the thought is that he's going to resign. If Jones really wants to behoove whatever team acquires him, you say something like this. And all of a sudden, maybe one or two of those roster players that might've been going the other way are no longer on the table. Um, you can't blame a guy when he gets one year away, but also like a lot of it depends on the situation he goes to. You're telling me that if like Colorado figured out a way to make the numbers work, he wouldn't immediately resign with Colorado. I don't believe that. You know what I mean? So I think you, In theory, you or your camp puts that out because you're trying to um, you're trying to limit whatever the market might be for bad teams wanting to acquire you in the hopes that like a big money signing is going to be the thing that's going to keep you in town. But if a good team with a good situation that also happens to have money available is the one who goes out and acquires your rights, it's hard to walk away from guaranteed money. Any team who goes out and acquires them is going to have that conversation immediately. And if you don't think that at this point, a lot of these front offices are already in communication with the agent. Uh, you'd be wrong.
2: I'm assuming because I got cut there for a second. We're talking about Seth Joe. And the report that said he he didn't want to resign in, in, unless it was Colorado.
1: Well, he didn't say anything about Colorado. He said any team yep. that he goes to, he wants to okay. explore free agency.
2: It was Hockey Buzz then reported that unless it was Colorado, but essentially, um, his mother came out on Twitter. Yeah, his
3: his mom yeah. roasted Hockey Buzz. So yep.
2: completely roasted him. Copy pasted. Wrote false and.
3: All options are real. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see I didn't again Eklund, I said fake I, news. Excuse me. Your fake uh, news. Very uh, fake. So, uh, excuse uh, me. Very not a very nice Eklund. I like other ones. Not this one. Not a very good one. Back to you, Back to Got you. it. Very Thank good. Ross. I appreciate it. That was it. <laughs> Your podcast just got canceled, guys. Oh my well, god, I can't believe At that, that why don't, don't
0: we care. uh introduce our game here? What do you guys think? I'm down. All right, so we have a game here for you, Russ. We have a a list of names for you. And the game is called, so you're saying there's a chance. So we're going to name a player, and you're going to say if you think the Flyers have a realistic chance to acquire this guy or not.
3: Okay. I'm in. So you're telling me there's a chance.
1: Yeah! All right,
0: so the first name on our list is... Right handed defenseman from Minnesota, Matt Dumba. Can, do the Flyers have a shot at a choir in the sky? Yes or no?
3: Sure.
2: <laughs> is if that is sure is a yes. <laughs> is that something you think that they should do, could do? <laughs> good reaction or a good uh plan B or C for uh, Jones or
3: Hamilton or anybody that you wanted more than Dumba, really. It's a plan C. See I mean if If that's if that's going to be the big defensive acquisition, then we may as well not play next season. Yeah, that's not a needle mover. That's a that's a patchwork move. It certainly doesn't do anything to really change your ceiling. So I don't know why it would that that actually makes a lot of sense. If. And I'm sure we'll get into like as some of these other names come together, we, we can talk about this, but like that's a move that you make in conjunction with another one. That's a a move where like you're looking to solidify like your second pair and you've gone out and already made the acquisition of a top pair defenseman. And like depending on how some of these other moves go, one of one of or both of Phil Myers and Travis Sandheim are gone and you need somebody reliable on the second pair. Like, okay, then then it makes sense not to put them on your top pair. And if that's the case, then this is this is setting up bad already.
2: Right. And that's kind of how I felt about it. And it was the first name to come out the second that first Seth Jones report came out by him not signing a, an extension. And then on top of that, the whole Fletcher drafting him, uh, the Wild might have an issue with the expansion draft. And it makes more sense for them to move Dumba. And they apparently like TK. That was just the first name to surface after that first Seth Jones report. So I, I think that's why he got thrown out there. But I agree with you. If he's the top guy they add, yeah, we're in trouble.
3: Yeah, and it's, it's also not like he makes peanuts sure. either. So like, there's yeah, no $6 he, million annually, so it's, yeah, that's like a, that, it's a lot. That, that, that's a lot for like a second pair defenseman.
0: Whenever somebody says peanuts on here, I always think they say the other word.
3: Ace Ventura.
0: Walnuts? Guys, walnuts? Get that at all, walnuts? or just cashews? Walnuts? Or... <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, did he just say the P word? No. All right. Next guy on the list. Pterodactyl? Let's <laughs> go with... I'll take
1: a fucking pterodactyl on defense.
3: Oh, well, that's,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's like nobody the- gonna be, Nobody's how- going to be standing in front of the net. Nobody.
3: <laughs> well, guys, it just so happens the Flyers have a real secret weapon next year. It's the pterodactyl that's going to fly down through the Wells Fargo Center. <laughs> oh, no, the Lightning have come to town. They've already put up seven goals on Carter Hart. What are we going to do? <laughs> you know, it's great. Excellent. Jesus. <laughs> What what is happening? I don't know. But <laughs> am I you're am right, I I frozen? Think, I think I've the gone rogue just want to know that you guys can hear and see me. <laughs> yeah, I've gone rogue. Jim's on a delay. Kyle's <laughs> face is blacked out. Jack's video keeps jumping. We're this great. show's
0: going just like we planned. I had this whole game set up, and it's just going in flames.
3: <laughs> What's your next not, name? Not
1: a, all
0: right. Let's not throw na- another name out there.
1: Not often does this train stay on the tracks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's go with Jack Eichel as our next name. Uh,
3: bring me. Bring me. You're tired. You're poor. Yearning to, to breathe free. I will happily be the safe harbor for a- each and every player who wants out of their terrible situation that has legitimate talent and can be bought for less than what their market value should dictate because they're miserable in their situation. I would love Jack Eichel. That's totally fine. Can the Flyers get him? Yes. Do they have the assets to get him? Yes. Do they have the draft picks to get him? Yes. Do they theoretically have prospects who like I may or may not have soured on a bit? Yes. Is there a ginormous injury concern and a concern about a, Spinal surgery that has never been done on an NHL player before. Yes. But do you make that deal on the thought that you're going to potentially get a guy who turns the entire franchise around? You do. Every time.
2: Yeah, guys like this shouldn't, really don't become available. And the fact that teams, and maybe it has something to do with the, the next surgery and whatnot, but like a team like Anaheim has already said, oh, you want Trevor Zegras? You have non-starter. Like, I have Eichel's caliber. Is like you give them whatever you can, like it doesn't matter. He did. I think he teeters with generational. I don't know if he's that, but he's close. You put him on a team with good players and just watch sparks fly. As long as he's as long as he's healthy, like you're saying. And I've even seen it rumored a little bit, like maybe he's overplaying that just to make sure he gets out of Buffalo. And it's got to be this year because after this year, that's when uh, the trade. Uh, the trade no um, movement clause kicks in. So, I mean, if there's a possibility to get him, I know a, a plethora of other moves would have to happen and we still have to focus on defense. If there's a legitimate chance at this, they have to they have to at least kick the tires. I know they're rumored as a dark horse. I just don't know how
1: serious it is. Are you all right, Jim?
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just want to see if I'm on a delay or anything. I just want to see if somebody going to talk. Can Jim, I talk? I don't know line. what's
3: going to happen. So... Oh, boy. That's like a five or six second delay. Woo-hoo. All right. Quick. How can Somebody you tell? How can you tell? You.
0: I can't. I don't
3: know. Do you guys see it? Jim, hold up a one. As soon as you hold up a one, we'll know that your delay is done.
2: Oh, my goodness. Five seconds. delay. delay.
3: <laughs> this is what we're experiencing right now is exactly what happens on um, NBC Sports Philly. Jake Voracek drops an F-bomb, nobody pays attention, it goes live over the air. (laughs) That's where we're at right now. Oh my goodness. The Eichel thing is something that um, I get the fear, I do. I think the people that say um, if he were really a good player, he would have elevated Buffalo or out of their minds. It's really easy to try to game plan against one guy. Um, it's easy to stack your best defensive pairing against one guy. And realistically, that's what Buffalo is. I mean, you could kind of make a case that like Brian Hart's a competent player. You could have tried to make the case. I guess that Taylor Hall was a competent player. He certainly looked better once he was out of Buffalo, but Eichel's the kind of guy that doesn't come along a lot. I, I think the way that I would kind of in a way compare this is something I'm going, going through right now, the housing market in theory, you should be able to get something at, at a solid price. You shouldn't have to worry about inflation. The the inverse is kind of true here with Jack Eichel. You should not be able to get Jack Eichel uh, Jack Eichel for anything less than like a number of legitimate roster contributors right now, a top prospect or two, and then at least probably two first-round picks. The fact is that because that injury issue is lingering out there, and because everyone is aware and is acutely aware of the fact that he has no interest in staying in Buffalo and Buffalo is really under the gun to make a deal. And they don't want to pay $10 million to a guy who's going to be disgruntled when they could theoretically go out and acquire other assets. You could theoretically try to get him on the cheap. It shouldn't work like this, uh, but it can the only issue that you're going to run into and Jack, you're, you're right because this is the same thing that Anthony said over on our show is like you don't know how much the the threat of the surgery is legitimate that that is what he wants versus using that as a playing chip of sorts to try to force Buffalo's hand there's nothing to say that if Jack Eichel gets traded to a contender or a team that could theoretically be a contender that within 2 weeks he says you know what i i met with this team's medical team and we think that there's another way to treat this without surgery Mm -hmm. And if you're Buffalo, there's nothing you can do at that point. The trade's already been executed. Now, I would just hope on a personal level for the guy that like if he if he really does mean that he wants the surgery, he's got to be in a lot of discomfort. That's not a kind of surgery that you're going to go out and and have as like a routine. This isn't getting your gallbladder out. Right. So Chuck Fletcher and crew are going to have to make the same determination that every other team is going to have to make. Is it worth potentially giving up whatever these assets are with the thought that like he might not play next year? And with the outside chance that he never plays again. If I look at this objectively and I look at what this team is and I look at like how far away they actually are and how many moves away they are. I think you make the move. If it blows up in your face, you tried that really is it. Or you can sit back, you can stand pat and you can be a a bubble playoff team, which I don't know if anybody's noticed, but that's what this organization has mostly been for two decades. So that's where we're at, or at least for a decade and, going on 12 we're, years 13 we're years. in
1: we're into our second decade yeah, <laughs> yeah. being yeah. a bubble team
3: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah i mean if it's something they really start to take seriously even with the risk because the price isn't like you know proveroff 13th overall and farabee or something crazy you seriously have to consider it. I I would take the risk just because of everything you said, where this team is at, they need major, major changes. They're not going to draft at the top of the draft and get their own version of the guy or whatnot. They're going to get a lot of good two way forwards and whatnot, and just do the best they can and hope that our defense develops, you know, cam York. Do I really see him as a number one defenseman type first pairing? Even, I don't know. I think he's more of a, hopefully a, a second pairing defenseman. So, you know, I, I'm great if he's better, but I'll take it if he is that, but I don't see that super, superstar potential. Um, so where are we going to get it from? Where are we going to find this value? If something like this falls into your lap, you have to seriously consider it. And I do hope that if this is all serious and we other teams are a little gun shy, they just go for it. And so I guess I'll finish it with Russ. Do you think the flyers, Chuck Fletcher's flyers in the real world are actually considering this, or are they just kind of, as Elliot Friedman, I believe said, they're just in on everything.
3: I don't know if Fletcher has the chutzpah. I, I don't know. I don't know if he has the cojones. I don't know if he has the testicular fortitude. I don't know if he has the intestinal fortitude. I don't know. There's nothing at this point in Chuck Fletcher's tenure thus far in Philadelphia that makes me think that he's a swing for the fences kind of guy. Now, the only way that that changes is, is if Dave Scott looks at this team and looks at where they're trending and looks at the fact that it was incredibly difficult for them to sell tickets, even though people were dying to get into a building for over a year. And they were still selling tickets to brokers to try to get this done. And they were still handing out comp tickets to many, many people uh, to get them into Wells Fargo Center. If I'm being realistic about it, if I'm the owner of the team, I sit back and think, What is it that we have to do to try to get butts and seats? And it can't be just ancillary moves. A bubble team is not going to get it done. The Sixers just imploded. We're all aware of that. But they're going to retool. There's nobody right now who thinks that Daryl Morey is going to run the Sixers back as is. So it stands to reason the Sixers are going to be a top three team, top two team in the Eastern Conference next year. That's what you have within your building as part of internal competition. If you needed extrinsic motivation, it's right there for you. That is the thing that you're being compared against. Whether it's fair or not, that's the team that you're being compared against. Would I rather spend my money as a family to go to a cheaper game for a much better team in the Sixers, or would I rather shell out a whole lot more money to go see an inferior product with the Flyers? That's the real kind of thing that, that this team has to decide. So if you're Dave Scott, and the conversation has been had with Chuck, We need to make some moves. We need to get somebody in here. We have to have somebody that we can actually sell to the fans. Then Jack Eichel's that move. There's nobody else. I I can't imagine that there's anybody else on this list who would make a bigger splash, a bigger name, a bigger top-end talent kind of splash than Jack Eichel. That's your guy. And it's not Uh, even close.
2: Like I said earlier, these guys do not become available for a reason. They're franchise guys. (laughs) <laughs> I completely agree with you, and the more I, I we talk about, it, the more I kind of get like, what if they really are considering it? Like that—that that would do wonders for ticket prices, like you said, but the team as well. It's just a general shakeup. So, I mean, I'm not going to throw. What do you, before we throw more names out, I want to have a realistic idea of what you think is going to happen at the expansion draft. Are you hoping that they can just get Seattle to take JVR, you know, without having to ship anything else along, uh, or are we swinging for the fences and trying to get get them to take check Or what do you? What is your gut feeling on the expansion draft at this time?
3: If you're a GM, you have to decide if you're going to try to play chicken with Seattle or not. That's the truth. I mean, they're they're going to leave Jake Voracek and James Van Riemsdyk unprotected. Now, there was that report a week ago that said, was it Friedman who put it out or LeBron who put out that Seattle's going to look to take the lowest possible salary, like build a legitimate team because there's an inherent pressure because Vegas was so good out of the gate. They can't just like sit back like a normal expansion team would and hope that within a couple of years, they're, you know, playoff contenders, maybe. Um. If you're a GM, if you're Chuck Fletcher, you're putting out two guys in Van Riemsdyk and Voracek who could, one, bring name recognition and and instant credibility. Van Riemsdyk as a locker room presence, as a union rep, as a guy who was involved in getting the NHL back to play in the bubble. There are a lot of positives that go around him. And plus, he's a goal scorer. He's streaky as hell, but he's still a goal scorer. And then in Jake Voracek, you have a really dynamic guy. Now, is that a guy that you want to build your franchise around? Probably not. Is that still a star player potential? Yeah, it is. You can have those two guys sitting out there and pretty much dare Seattle not to take them. That is a hard sell. Like, if you're the Seattle fan base and, and depending on how the rest of the draft is going, like those guys are out there available and it costs you nothing except money. Seattle's a smart sports town. Like, they're, they're not going to be thrilled if you go and like pluck away like Shane Goss to spare. Right like that. That's not going to move the needle for them. Um, If you really wanted to protect against it, like if you really wanted to guarantee one of those guys is gone, then you work out a side deal ahead of the expansion draft to take one of those guys off the books. But honestly, I feel like the public scrutiny that you'd be facing if those guys are available and you don't take them is probably going to at least put some heat on Seattle to make a move and to take one of those guys, whether a side deals worked out or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope it's JVR,
2: uh, I'm sorry, Voracek. Even if they do have to give them something, hopefully not something significant, uh, I just feel like it's going to be JVR at the end of the day, whether they, something goes with it or not. So that's roughly $7 million, we're saying. So seven have, on the dot. Seven on the dot. Have we discussed um, a couple names? I had got kicked a bit there. Uh, just the Flyers, do they pivot back to a Dougie Hamilton and play that game?
3: I don't think so. I
1: hope not. I hope not. (laughs) You know, overpay for somebody who's to me is a below average defenseman. I just don't like the way he plays. I don't think he fits here. I don't see where he's just an overhyped guy to me. I don't like the guy. Not where do
3: you fall on on the comparison to him being just like a um, an elevated version of Shane bear?
1: Yes and no. I think he's better defensively, but he's not too much better defensively. He's certainly bigger. He plays a little bit bigger than Shane. Uh, offensively, he's, I mean, way more consistent than Shane Gossespierre, but that's not the hardest feat to accomplish. I think he's a – if if you could combine Shane Gossespierre with Shane Gossespierre, you'd get somewhere around Dougie Hamilton.
3: <laughs> Dougie Hamilton maybe costs you less. Uh, than Seth Jones would because not he's much. not under con. Well, because he's not under contract, right? Uh, so that I mean, like maybe that plays. The problem is with Dougie Hamilton. Like one, I don't know if he can play in Philadelphia. Um, the pressure isn't exactly the same in Carolina. If you're seeing defensive miscues of any kind, uh, or you're trying to sell to the the casual fan that you've brought in this top pair of defensemen and he goes out and plays, you know, like at a mediocre level of what he's capable of. The first thing Which that's going to happen is pe- people are going to, are going to say it's a bust. They're going to complain and they're going to say this was a waste of money. And in his first year, he's going to get dogged with the nine or $10 million, you know, price tag. And he's never going to find success. Like you're going to bury the guy before he even, you know, gets 20 games into the season, unless he lights the world on fire to start. You pair him with Ivan Provorov, Rob, there is a chance that that, It is a a lockdown, really excellent top pair in this league. It brings Carter Hart back to whatever he was a couple of years ago. And like, maybe all of a sudden everybody's on the Dougie, you know, the Dougie bandwagon. I don't know, but I'm not so sure that that's like a slam dunk. It should be like in theory, getting Dougie Hamilton, if he's playing at hundred percent, if he's playing at his max potential, then it's a great signing the possibility that it could go sideways so quickly to me, isn't worth looking at. And I think that's why you're seeing he's not their priority. They'll kick the tires. They'll have the conversation. If things don't go well in the Seth Jones market. Yeah. They'd be stupid not to explore it. I just don't think that like, I I don't think that he's a number one priority for them. I don't know where he really falls right now, but I think they have a number of other defensemen ahead of him. He's just kind of like, if if it's there, if it's available and none of this other stuff works out, he's a heck of an option to go back to.
1: Who do you think their first option is on their list? Uh, it's
3: probably Seth Jones.
2: Yeah,
1: I that's
3: got where that. I was leaning.
2: I got that too, but um, uh, Anthony's got me um thinking maybe there's another name, and this is going to kill Jim right now. But uh, what do you feel about Ryan Ellis?
3: Ryan Ellis is fine. Like, why? Why would Ryan Ellis be a problem? Oh, why Jim, Jim, Jim gonna...
2: wants him, but he can't participate in the conversations. <laughs>
3: Oh, Wait, I oh, think God. I can now. Am I good? Yeah, I think he's good. good. He's not on as much of a...
0: Finally. Jim, hold up a we're one. Hold we're... up a one.
3: Quick.
2: we're <laughs> <laughs> There we go.
3: I had to oh, switch my Wi-Fi, son of Ladies a and gentlemen, Jim has joined the program here. At the 41- Put n- me in, coach. Jim, <laughs> no, yeah, how do you feel about Ryan Ellis?
0: I love him. I want him. My number one how guy. How do you
3: feel about Dougie Hamilton?
0: He's probably my third favorite guy, if I'm being honest. Who's
3: you're but t- uh,
0: but I won't be angry if they go get him either. He'll be fun to watch, I guess. You know,
1: I guess. <laughs> Until he turns into Shane Goss to spare <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with a way with a double the price tag.
0: That's kind of my I stance with Dougie Hamilton because you're kind of putting all your free agent money chips into that one basket there, and it's you know it's Dougie Hamilton's not going to help you win a cup with this roster. That's that's kind of where I am with that.
3: Ryan Ellis is also like when, when we talked about uh, Matt Dumbo off the, the top, like Ellis, I think is a better defenseman can be a, a legitimate top pair defenseman and he costs you a quarter of a million dollars more a year. So like when you're, when you're weighing those two options, it's like a slam dunk. And Chuck Fletcher had conversations uh, with Nashville about multiple players. And one of them was Ryan Ellis. So you've already theoretically laid the groundwork of what a potential deal could have looked like mid season. You didn't pull the trigger on it for a number of different reasons. They're going to have that conversation this off season. If they haven't already, they're going to kick those tires again. Now, the more interesting thing is what happens if you start moving money around, you dare Seattle to take one of Van Riemsdyk or for a check, you clear off some other money and you go into next season um, having made a trade for Seth Jones, and then having made another trade that gets you Ryan Ellis, you have a it's fantastic a lot of, it's a lot defense. Of, <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of young players, and it's a lot of prospects going. But like, if you decide that your number one focus next year isn't on trying to fortify the top six, it's rolling with what you've got, and really more than anything, it's about getting Carter Hart back and getting Carter Hart to that next level by putting a legitimate defensive core in front of him that isn't going to fall off once that top pair is off the ice, and and that top pair is going to be legitimate and reliable and not what it was last year. Like, if it's me, I look at that and I say, if I can make those moves without having to gut my current NHL roster beyond reason, and I can bring in two defensemen like that at that caliber, and fix Carter Hart. That's more important than going out and getting Jack Eichel. The
2: because way it's a guar- because built. it's
3: because it's a guarantee. Yeah, the, way- the Eichel I mean, thing has the question mark,
2: right? And yeah, the way this team is built for sure. And it also, I mean, this goes to Carter Hart as well, but it helps Proveroff and Sanheim as well. We presumably keep Sanheim. I think a lot of us are thinking if we trade for Seth Jones, Myers will be the one we hopefully ship even though they probably asked for Sandheim, but yeah, your entire defensive core, your goaltender build from the net out. And then whatever you have left on offense, which is hopefully not too bad is what you're saying. I'm ready to move on from Morgan Frost. I mean, we haven't seen enough of the guy from getting these actual proven talented players at a position in need. I mean, of course you, of course you trade him. Like what are we really missing down there? It's not like he's knocking on the door of the NHL in his first year since he's been drafted. It's been a while now. Know 2017, for God's sake, so yeah. I mean, honestly, when this offseason started, I didn't know how realistic it was, but adding two guys is really what they need to do. I just didn't know the level that it would be. I didn't know if we're talking Dennis, uh, if we're talking Savard and um, somebody else, or you know, or they just go one and hope it works, but yeah, that would be great because I like both players, especially Jones. Uh, I think I like the term for Ellis, he's locked in, you don't have to resign him or anything like that. Um yeah, I mean, that would be fantastic. I'm all about that. I know Jim is, but you know, while we're on Nashville, what do you think about, uh,
3: Well, I was going to say, keep in mind too, like, I, I think that there's a high likelihood that if they're going to make multiple moves, you might see Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers gone. I wouldn't take that off the table, right? Myers is what? Two and a quarter million annually. Sanheim's an RFA. He'll probably come in somewhere in that two and a half to three range. So like when you think about clearing money off the cap, just to pay for one of these guys, those two being gone is going to get you close to Ellis's number at whatever. Like I, I'm, I'm not as high on echo. like, I would rather, if you're going to make a move, make the move for Ellis. I think that Ellis just kind of fits what they're going to do better. I think he's a more reliable defenseman right now. I think he'd be a better fit with Ivan Provorov. Would that make your team better? Sure. I mean, pretty much anybody would.
0: I was going to say that.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, beggars can't be choosers. It's a low bar to clear.
2: Can't throw, be picky. I'll throw a crazy name out there since we're saying that uh, beggars can't be choosers. And it's definitely not the number one guy we're looking for. This is just opportunity, trying to make the money work. But because he's from the area, could you see a last chance contract for Anthony D'Angelo?
3: <clears throat> I was told um about a month ago that there had been feelers put out about him that they so made they, that they <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance We'd wait not. for it. Uh, wait it uh, I don't know if I'd be thrilled I don't know if anybody would really be that thrilled um I'll take him on do- my
1: third pairing at one million dollars Oh here we go.
3: If you to, listen, <laughs> if you wanted to try to get the uh the diametric opposite of the Kate Smith anger, <laughs> bring him in. But then you'll have everybody pissed off. Then it's a real like then you've decided to uh to scorch earth your fan base. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know how much he helps. Um, I think again, like so much of this comes down to like if you're getting close to the season, he's still unsigned. <laughs> you weren't able to go out and make any impactful moves in your top four defense, then maybe like maybe as a training camp invite and you see what it is. I don't Let's think be that there's going to be,
1: a, that's a non option.
3: Yeah. Like I don't see there being, no. a, I don't think there's a market for him. I, I don't think the flyers are really going to be that interested unless they don't make a big move or unless they have a bunch of injuries. And I mean like quite a few injuries going into the season. Like that's maybe when those feelers become something real. And then you're just effectively trying to make sure the guy doesn't implode, say anything stupid, tweet anything stupid, offend anybody, light the world on fire, piss off the fans. You just like, there are so many things that go into him beyond whether or not he even helps, you know, really more than marginally increase your team's ceiling.
0: I got a question for you real quick.
3: What is the difference between, putting out a feeler on a
0: player and actually inquiring about a player. Are they the same thing?
3: No. So putting feelers out about a player uh, doesn't necessarily just involve conversations with the agent. It could be anybody from their circle. It can be people who are organizational sources around the team versus inquiring about typically implies direct contact with a front office. Okay. Inquiring about the availability of a player, at least the way that I would define it.
0: So a feeler is so, not necessarily as serious then uh, as somebody inquiring about about. I mean,
3: feelers feelers could be, you know, somebody within the organization saying to the agent, you know, if this were to happen at some point, would he have interest in playing here? Would he keep himself out of trouble? But that's, that's vastly different than, you know, a player that's under contract trying to inquire of the other organization right. if they'd be inclined to, to move him or not.
0: Okay. I already knew the difference between the two, obviously. But for the for the viewers who may not have known, just for mm. them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. I guess we're coming close to the end of the list here. Um, I, you know, and some of these guys hit me as they better do something bigger. But I'll just throw it out there because he's a UFA. Uh, David Savard. Uh, I don't know how much interest they expressed beforehand, but can you see him as a secondary move if they maybe – do with Eichel or something, or maybe Seth Jones and him or anything of that nature.
3: Maybe. I mean, what's his market really going to be? I don't know. I mean, that okay. that ooh, guys who missed like, out
2: big guys or other guys. I should Yeah.
3: Play. Like I, I don't see him being like a first week signer, like a first week signee. So in theory, by the time, things hit. You would think that you've already had conversations with the team that you're going to have conversations with. Um, Maybe he's there. He he also might decide to hold out for a better contract like we did see last year. It didn't work out for many players, but like you could hold out longer, getting closer to camp, waiting to see if there are any injuries, see if any contending teams, you know, need a player and are willing to go out and and spend the capital later in the offseason he'd be fine. Like he would certainly be an upgrade of some sort, but he's not going to be somebody again, who I think really changes things all that much for you. It's a solid veteran signing. It's not much more than that. I'm actually surprised when you said the thing about like a guy from around here and the guy's name has been like going across the ticker this whole time. Oh, we're
0: going to get to him. John. uh,
3: Okay. So he's on the list. Okay, good.
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Question for you. Actually, not a question. So I, I just need you to kind of help me out with this a little bit because I'm bracing myself for – this is the 2020 Flyers, 2021 Flyers, cap era Flyers. They're not making any significant moves, right? I'm bracing myself for that. I am I fully expect them to bring back Provorov, Sanheim, Myers. I don't know. But I, I fully expect the top six, top nine forward group to look the same. And, you know, they bring in – tweaks to kind of compliment some of the guys they already have those are the big moves that in my mind this is what this team's going to do even though the fan in me is seeing all these names Mackachuk, Jack Eichel, Johnny Goudreau, Seth Jones all these names flying around who the Flyers could be interested in and this and that and I'm like yes this is the offseason this is the time they need this is the most important offseason in however many years they're going to change the face of the franchise everyone's going to be different we got a reason to be excited what do you think, Russ? Do you see guys getting turned over like that? Or like do you see them realistically trading? Like Realistically, like I'm asking you honestly. Are they really going to trade Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers in the same offseason?
3: Are they really going to blow it up like that? Is that really going to happen? Do you really think? Well, let me ask you a question. Why would you want to blow this team up? They were the number one seed going into the playoffs two years ago. That's what I'm afraid of, dude. Because
0: yeah. it's, it's yeah. good to be
3: positive, but you, you can't yeah. be delirious. Yeah. Listen, you know? if you want to follow that kind of like, um, you know, childish fanboy thoughts, Yareev Wolak, I'm sure, will write something about it The Flyers Nitty Gritty <laughs> at some point in the next two weeks telling us that we're all delusional and that the Flyers are going to win the Stanley Cup if they make no moves because everybody's great and everybody develops and no prospect has ever failed before. Where we live here in the reality, um, there's probably <laughs> some truth to what you said we want to think that there's going to be turnover. We want to believe that Chuck Fletcher is going to make moves. I think I truly do think that despite the fact that I don't believe he necessarily has the typical chutzpah cojones to go out and make the kinds of radical moves he needs to make. I think that it's realistic that there have been conversations about not necessarily his job status for this year, but if this team is a meddling team again next year, there could be legitimate problems because he wasn't brought in to be a guy to just kind of keep kicking the can down the road. He was brought in here to be a win now GM with a win now coach. And if you don't make those moves, you're automatically starting next season on a bad foot with Elaine Vino, Vigneault because Vino's smart enough to know this team as currently constructed has problems and is not a Stanley cup contender. So, Will they trade both Myers and Sandheim in the same offseason? Probably not, unless you're making moves for like one has to go in the Eichel deal. If you're going to make an Eichel move, that has to happen. If you're going to go out and you're going to make a move for like a Ryan Ellis or for a Seth Jones, one of them is probably going to have to go there. So uh, part of it comes down to like, what does that second pair look like? That's why I said, like sometimes you're looking at potential secondary moves, whether it's a Savard and free agency, whether it's going out and trying to make a move where you try to bring in a Seth Jones and a Ryan Ellis, whether it's um, trying to hodgepodge things together a little bit and hope that like an Igor Zamula can actually add muscle to his frame and can be a second pair defenseman for this team next year. I don't want to go into a year with Justin Braun on the second pair. That's just me. Um, I do think that they're going <laughs> to try to get Cam York. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that they're going to try to get Cam York on this team. I do think that that will be a goal from the organization is to give him a, as legitimate of a look as any young defenseman in recent memory has gotten uh, to make the roster. I do think that that is a goal, um, and if Cam York can play third pair minutes and look competent, that's a big boost for you as as a, as a team. That makes it more palatable if you think that he and Zamula can at least make those moves and you can go out and acquire two defensemen, at least with one being a legitimate top pair defenseman, that makes it more palatable to have to move Sanheim and Myers in those deals. I think that like maybe the better question is, how much are you going to have to deplete your forward depth to make an impact move? How comfortable are you with parting with Travis Konechny in a move to go out and add a defenseman? Or do you save him for like the Eichel deal? Or do you save him for a Matthew Kachuk deal? What do you do? And are you comfortable parting with the top six forward on this team? Because right now you don't have the organizational depth to go out and, and you don't have a guy who's knocking on the door that's going to bang down that door and declare himself, I am here and I'm ready to go. That's you not just like we, you don't have that right now.
0: Depressed me a little bit right there, Russ. Cause you know why? Because... We've been going through this, you know, stock the cupboard, stock the cupboard. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the right way to build a team (laughs) for four or five years. And we don't have forward depth. Like, what the hell? How do they not draft one, two, three guys that are at least ready to come up right now? Wade Allison, I know. He's going to be decent. His second round pick came up and, you know, turned heads. and played pretty
1: good. He played pretty good. Oh, my God. The thing, though, is
3: is, it's it's not that you – to rephrase for a second to clarify – it's not that you don't have NHL-ready prospects. It's that you don't have killers. Right. You need killers. You have no killers. No. Like, maybe you can develop, like, if, if Forster can develop into a killer, swell. If Allison looks close to what he was and, and can take it next level, all right, cool. You have, like, a potential grinder killer. You don't have a sniper in the organization right now who is NHL-ready. You haven't done a good job of drafting them. And and in fairness, there aren't that many who are available at all times. Goal scoring is hard to find. This team is incredibly inept at finding it, which compounds the issue. That's why the Eichel move more than anything is one that like people who are cautious or, or, or worried about the injury thing. Like that's why that kind of move is one that you you really do sell the farm to try to get because that kind of talent is so rarely available. And yeah, it's ten million dollars as a cap hit, but like, unless all of a sudden NHL GMs are going to grow balls and like actually make offer sheets to RFAs, which they didn't do with Braden Point, so I don't know why anybody would think they're going to go out and make any kind of an offer sheet this off season. No, you know, GMs just kind of handcuff themselves and like the old boys club by not making those kinds of of moves or at least entertaining it. So I that that to me is the 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 issue how much of that forward depth are you willing to deplete in order to get those defensemen all of it,
0: all of it. like what are you really losing if you if, when you say deplete the forward depth like what are you really losing like you're losing who like i would trade
1: in acne. I would, that's it that's all you got
0: send them send weight allison if, if what's your actual
1: for it, your actual forward depth if you're actually looking at it we're losing Voracek or JVR in the expansion draft. I'd like to lose both of them this offseason. <laughs> but that's How you going to replace those points, Kyle?
3: That's it's not realistic to think that you're going to I mean we make that joke, but like them. that it, that that is a real concern though. Like I know that we, you know, it's easy to make that joke. And and yes, getting getting 15 and a half million dollars off the books between those two guys would be big. Yeah. But you do have to have somebody who replaces them. And that's where like Van Van Riemsdijk has more value than than Voracek does, because for as streaky as he is, he still scores goals. And you don't have that right now. And if that's the one that Seattle takes, then you have a bunch of guys who are playmakers with a vision and not a lot of guys who put the puck in the back of the net. So if you lose JVR and you have to trade Konechny to get Ellis or Seth Jones or another top pair defenseman, you're already down two of your better theoretical scoring forwards. I know Konechny was down last year. But in theory, like that's a hole that you have to fill that you're doing in order to free up the money to be able to go out and fix the back end, which is arguably more important because it's going to protect your goalie and prevent him from becoming a head case. You don't need that.
2: Yeah. Fletcher's is going to have to really navigate this off season very carefully. And honestly, a little bit of money ball wouldn't help, especially if that's the case. Like we're having to find, value where there really isn't any because you're right. There's nobody in the in the minors you can look to and say we need because frost is most likely going to be traded and if he's not he might not be able to stay healthy. Um you know who, who's gonna step up and do that? And we like guys like Allison, but let's be realistic. At least at this point, they're not they're not guys who put the puck in the net. They're not goal call field. Let's be real. Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> gonna win the cost, my, gonna win the cost my but that's okay. Uh Yeah, no, but, like, I don't know where it's going to come. I don't even know what offensive free agents there are at this point when I just try to think of it. Maybe a couple of
1: center-depth guys. Alexander Ovechkin. I'm just kidding. He is a UFA, though. (laughs) (laughs) Because we've been so focused on defense. I'm
2: not
3: even sure. Um, Yeah. Well, Hey, by the way, like, the best theoretical prospect you have, who's, like, quasi-prospect because he's played enough in the NHL where you're like, all right, I mean, this guy does have the skills, is Frost. He just can't stay healthy. And he plays center. He can't he the organization is diametrically opposed to playing him at wing. Nolan Patrick is even somehow more useless as a wing than he was as a as a center. So that one's gone like. That's a whole other problem, you know, like some of the issues that exist between Philly teams, they just continue to rear their heads. (laughs) Boy, if only Nolan Patrick had developed boy, if only Mark Fultz or Ben Simmons had developed Instead, you have an albatross, you have some. And and in the case of Patrick, you have somebody who was unwilling to take contact like Ben Simmons in the paint. And you have somebody who, despite the fact that he liked to coast to the boards to stay out of the fracas around the net, would be much better served being in that fracas as a big body. If you could rely on him, well, then getting rid of a Morgan Frost in a deal does make sense. Had you not handed out a stupid contract to Kevin Hayes? You wouldn't have that number albatross. Had you not given him a no movement clause, you would probably be able to find a suitor this offseason. You know, you're kind of dealing with a, a whole bunch of situations and problems that you've made your bed. Now you have to lie in it. If you're Fletcher, you have to figure out how do we change the comforter? How do we change the sheets? And can we throw down a memory foam cover at least for a year to try to make the, the night's sleep at least somewhat palatable? It's either that or you throw it out and you buy a new one. But those days of the NHL just being able to buy your problems away are gone. So he's got to get creative. And to this point, he has not been a guy in this city who has been able to make those ancillary moves to play money ball, to find the value uh, along the margins. That has not been his thing here. It doesn't mean that he can't do it. It just means that he's really going to have to get creative if he's going to do it. That's why Bill Zito, by the way, uh, is is up for or was up for executive of the year because they weren't all big flashy moves, but he found value. And the value that he brought relative to the deals that were signed were such that he made those kinds of moves. Fletcher has got to prove in this off season that he can make them. If he can't, the team is going to be potentially as frustrating as they were this year.
1: I'm so, I'm so like on edge and anxious for things to, to happen, but at the same time, like, being a Flyers fan for so long, I'm like, like, I don't want to look. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like just I let me you, know tomorrow morning what happened. Like, I don't, I I think you don't trust him. On Zito
2: because when um, Hexal got fired, I was big on Zito, and they even interviewed him, but it felt like more of a courtesy interview. Like, they knew they were going to take Fletcher, and I just never understood why. I like that next-level thinking that I don't know. And it's, you see it in Florida right now. And you're absolutely right. Guys on one year deals, guys who kind of fizzled out in other town, other cities like Wenberg in Columbus and even DuClair and all the 15 teams he played for. He's getting value out of these guys. They made a really good run. And this is with a $10 million goaltender they really don't use. You know, it's a Spencer Knight show there. Like that's, and even that other guy, I can't even think of his name. Um, the other backup they have is play pretty well as well. Oh, Dreech or whatever. I don't have confidence. Dr- that's it, Dr- Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of confidence. And Russ, it sounds like you don't either. So if a, you have a, a GM who has to get creative and probably can't, and you have a unique situation where a generation, a pretty much generational player could be available, I, how big are you on the Flyers and Eichel here for their offensive woes? And it seems that it would be easier at that point, whether it's free agency, whether it's a smaller trade. I feel like there's more options on D here. Plus you got a young young guy coming in too, actually, who could potentially fill in spots until you figure it out. Do you see this off season as Eichel, if they add him, they could patch the D with, you need at least one top guy. You got to figure something out there. But like, if you go two defensemen, how are you going to do anything offensively? So how big are you with, They really should put all their chips in
3: for Eichel. That's why the Eichel move makes the most sense. If you know that he's going to be able to play because he's able in theory, I know that it didn't play out in the last season with, with Buffalo, but Buffalo sucks. In theory, you bring him in, he can elevate some of the players around him. He just has to, because he's not going to be the only guy that you can cue in on as, as an opposing coach. He's not going to be the only player of value playing for the Flyers. You still are gonna have protection through the Sean Couturier line. And depending on what you end up doing with Claude Giroux, he's your your three C. I mean, I guess Kevin Hayes is there. Great. But uh Eichel, Eichel really helps a lot with elevating other players. And I see over in the comments, Chris McCarthy says that we're like underselling Wade Allison because he can maybe be a 25 goal a year scorer. Like I hate to point this out, I don't mean this to be rude. But, like, the Flyers have had plenty of 25-goal scores. That's not the problem, right? If if your playmakers, if your Jake Forachecks and your Claude Giroux's are good enough, and if your Sean Couturier is good enough, you should be able to make some of these young guys a 20-goal score. The problem is they don't have, like, a 40-goal score. They don't have a guy who puts, you know, legitimate fear into the opposition when he's holding the puck that he's going to be able to find the back of the net. They don't have that. Eichel, in theory, could at least unlock that potential in a number of your young wing players. And even in the, you know, in the case of some of your vets that, you know, might be big money guys that have kind of become disillusioned with the with the team. He might be able to elevate those guys. So, like, that's why I think Eichel has to be one. And then you make a move for one of the other, you know, top pair defensemen. And that's your offseason. That that to me is is the path to making this team better. Aside from that, like I, I don't have faith in Fletcher being able to fill out the roster with creative decisions that are going to make them a Stanley cup contender, unless they make that big splash. And again, I haven't seen him make that big splash in Philadelphia. His biggest splash was trading for the rights to Kevin Hayes, convincing Kevin Hayes to take an inflated contract and include a no movement clause. And it is not going to be a great deal. It worked. It worked within reason in the first year it wasn't great last year by the time that contract is up everybody's going to be ready to pack his bags for him so in a best case scenario jack eichel comes in kevin hayes is the most overpaid 3c in the league that would be perfect that would be great for this team that would be the role that nolan patrick should have been able to develop into is that 2c that plays kevin hayes down to the 3c Eichel fixes a lot of problems. It it's just that so much of it depends on his health and you have to decide if, if you are willing t- to roll the dice on it.
0: It sounds like you're saying that this is not a one-off season fix. This is, you need to add pieces now and, you know, through the course of, you know, a season or so sprinkle in the, the rest, get the foundation set up. Right. And, and, add more guys as you go like this team is not going to be one game away from the Eastern conference finals again this season. Right.
3: Well, say they make the Eichel move and the surgery thing really was just a ploy to get him out. And he goes through physical therapy and is able to play at a high level. All right. And that's that move costs you one of the young defensemen and probably a forward. Maybe it's connect Maybe it's not. And then you also go out and you acquire like a Seth Jones to pair with Ivan Provorov. You go out and maybe it's it's playing the waiting game on a Savard or somebody similar, or you can make another trade to get a second pair defenseman to pair with which one, whichever other young defenseman is is still there, if it's Myers, if it's Sanheim. And then Justin Bronze on your third pair with Cam York or Igor Zamula. I think as a defensive core, that's fine. And I think that in terms of forwards, like you can certainly – Get away with this forward core if your back end is as strong as it would be, and if Eichel is playing at a high level, you actually could contend a, a lot more than if you put all the chips in on the defensive basket. If you go all defense for the sake of saving Carter Hart, you're going to have some real forward issues, and, and, I, and, and you, then, yes, you may then run into the and same issues. Two or three, then it's a two or three year plan, and by that point, you've wasted the last good years out of Claude Giroux. And probably Jake Voracek. And honestly, you're going to start to get yourself into some of those Sean Couturier years that, you know, by the time you're ready to contend, he's going to be for sure. He's going to be in a position where he's got so many miles on on those legs at this point already. Like I, I am fearful of what he's going to look like at age 37, 38, because he's given so much to the team and the organization and and he's played as much as he has. And he's caught knocks and he's had injuries, you know? Yeah. God, why did it get so negative? What happened? I don't know. But but that's when we have a comment. The internet was crap. That's (laughs) that's what happened.
0: Well, we have a comment from Ann here, and and I think this is the general feeling for most. I I, I'm gonna say real fans. I don't I don't like to say hardcore fans. I don't know why, but real fans, because I think there's a difference in fans nowadays. There's the corporate gritty fans. And there's the fans who watch the team because they love hockey. And I think a lot of the fans who watch the team because they love hockey feel like Anthony here. I, I think they they're expecting moves, they're expecting change, they want to see new faces, kind of like I was saying earlier. And this is the the most important offseason, I think, for the Flyers in the last, I, I don't know, since the Richards Carter trades, or or if you want to go back further to to the Hartnell uh and signings. I mean, this is an important offseason i i feel like to kyle like kyle here he doesn't trust that chuck fletcher is going to do the right things right we're all kind of sitting here with you know our tails between our legs like oh shit like what's gonna happen you know and I, we don't really trust this organization to do the right thing like sure we were excited for james van Reemsdyke and and kevin hayes but we knew the contracts weren't good we were just excited to finally get you know Something. good players
3: yeah
1: Something. They did something
0: right, <laughs> and it, it's kind of now, like looking back, it's kind of like slaps in the face. Like, hey, we got you, Kevin Hayes. What are you so angry for? Hey, we got you, James Van like, What are you so mad for? Like, I don't know, man. Well, did...
3: Hey, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but like this team does have a free agency issue. There is no doubt about it. I've yep. heard from too many people in and around the organization who have confirmed it multiple times over. Top free agents have not been interested in the last few years. You can blame Ron Hextall for that. You absolutely can.
0: Why do you think that is?
3: Because he didn't want to play ball on a lot of the top free agents because he had no. no,
0: Why would it be Ron Hextall's fault? The rebuild? Oh, Oh, there we go.
3: Oh, no, we're back to the delay. Bring back the pterodactyl. (laughs) 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 There we go. Wait, he might be back. No. (laughs) All right. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, just going to, um, the Hextall thing was a problem because Hextall as part of the rebuild, didn't want to, to shell out a ton of cash and didn't want to play ball on a lot of top free agents. And it didn't go over well. And, you know, for as many times as people like to compare Hextall and Hanky, which aren't exactly fair. That is one thing that both guys were notorious for is the fact that they didn't want to shell out bucks. They, it's not so much the paying the money as much as it is, Giving the perception that you're in. Because having a, a big market team that has money available and just throwing out the mere possibility that you could be interested in a guy is almost as valuable to an agent and to a player as actually shelling out the money yourself. That's a big reason why. They're working hard to rebuild that trust. But like Alex Petrangelo last year, or Alex Petrangelo, when he was a free agent, was not interested in coming here. The Flyers did try to like make inroads with him. He wasn't interested in playing here. One, because This wasn't necessarily as close of a contender, obviously, as Vegas was. But a big part was because things surrounding the organization, a little bit of questions of what was going on, and the fact that, again, big money guys have not been attracted to this destination. It causes problems for your organization. So Fletcher, to me, is going to have to be the guy who goes out and makes these acquisitions via trade. And maybe, like if it's a Seth Jones, if he really isn't going to re-sign right away, It's You take a year and you show him what Philadelphia is and you try to pitch him on the idea of what Philadelphia can be to him and then he re-signs. I don't see you making free agent splashes.
2: Now, what kind of deal do you think Columbus, if they're under the impression that Seth Jones isn't going to sign and they're going to have to trade him on a rental basis, how much cheaper do you think you can get Seth Jones if you think you
3: can? I don't think it's going to change much. He would need to publicly say it would have to be from him. He would have to say, yes, I will resign or no, I won't resign. That's the only way that you're going to get any real change in the market. And I don't think he's going to. I really don't. It, it doesn't it doesn't help him. The only way that it helps is if he says right now, I will not resign. But his agent goes and tells all the teams that might be interested that he will if the long-term, if he's playing seven-dimensional chess and it's like, I don't want them to have to part with a player that can help us immediately. But honestly, I don't think Seth Jones is going to get a major roster player traded for him. I think that enough players, uh, uh, sorry, enough teams are speaking with agents right now and have a a good idea of what the the real market is going to be for Seth Jones and where he would be interested in re-signing and where there wouldn't be any shot. I don't see any team acquiring his rights if they don't think they can re-sign him.
0: So what I'm afraid of with uh, with all with like with Dougie Hamilton and Seth Jones, I'm afraid because of Chuck Fletcher. This is this is even more reason why I want them to go after Ryan Ellis because he's locked in. The contract that he has is great. You know, um, that's why I think he's more. You know, plus the intangibles that he brings to the actual game. He's a good player, but that contract, I don't trust Chuck Fletcher. I don't trust him at all. So if they can go out and get Ryan Ellis for what he's getting paid, I think that's great. I think it's five, six years at six point something million. Perfect. Six five. Yep. Six two five. Yeah. That's even more reason why I want him more than the other two guys, because I know, I know Fletcher is going to destroy those contracts and I don't want that. So that's, that's my thing there. So we're, we've gone way over schedule mostly because of me and we didn't even get to Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs>
1: Uh, again, we're not trading uh, for
0: guns, Thank God.
1: They're gonna they're gonna bring in uh Ryan Getzlav and uh, Alexander Edler. That's gonna be their big time moves this sh- this offseason. Perfect. Hey, that kind of starts helping the Canadians
0: moves. out, by the way. Trading for over the hill guys. I, the only way that after they this make this conversation, I grow.
1: will
2: nothing less than Ellis, Eichel, and Seth Jones. <laughs> All the of
3: them. the only way that it makes sense for them to make a trade for Goudreau, honestly, and I think it was Nick Kiprios when he was on our show, said it, or it might've been Bundy. I don't remember. Um, is if you're doing almost a straight up trade of Goudreau for Voracek, just to change the scenery. You're still getting a talented player. You're still getting somebody who in theory you could unlock a lot of point potential from, but just needs to change of scenery. I think that if you're going to make a deal out there though, Kachuk makes a lot more sense. I think it's oh, going to yeah. cost you less. He's 23. You know, if you're, you're trying to fill your team with guys that are reasonably priced that have already got a few years in the league he makes sense i think he makes a lot more sense than gudrow does
0: imagine a drew eichel kachuk oh yeah that's it that's got to be the line right there huh? Is your, your laptop gonna die russ
3: oh yeah well i was at i was at 10 and then the laptop popped up that you know your computer's gonna go to sleep soon
0: cuz uh, cuz the jerk off host over here can't get his computer, right? Well, listen, I mean, the
3: fact that you don't have your computer plugged in through an ethernet while you're trying to, you know.
0: Ah, hey, I learned the hard way over here. That's what Italians yeah, do. Sending. All right. That's
3: true. That's true. <laughs> so, but now I'm good. Look at that. Who do you
2: want charging up? Who do you want to win GM of the year?
3: Oh, I would love Bill Zito to win just so I can shove it in San Filippo's face on the show. <laughs> That'd be great. Absolutely 100 percent Bill Here's like I'm we- gonna well I'm gonna I'm gonna throw fuel on your fire from something you said before. The the Bill Zito interview here was a courtesy interview. I've been told that he left that um that I believe it was a virtual interview, uh with like he can't imagine being like somebody who's incredibly well prepared to go over like your vision and you get like the the kind of the nods. And the people are kind of on their phones while you're sitting there, while you're trying to tell them about how you're going to improve things. And you know that you're getting nothing more than like cursory attention and like, all right, cool. But, you know, right, right off the the onset, you might have like binders full of information. Like, let's get into the nitty gritty. Here's how I'm going to fix this team. And instead, you're effectively being told, "Yeah, thanks for being here. It's really nice. Doesn't sound it's like a lot of these guys on the, like, it's a yeah. lot of these guys on the bachelorette, you know, they go in looking for love and by night one, she doesn't learn your name and she sends you home with the first row ceremony. That was Bill Zito. <laughs> Bill Zito's Chuck playing. Fletcher. Chuck Fletcher's is the guy who they bring in like three quarters of the season is gone. And it's a guy who's like a retread from another season. Who's not going to win, but you know, if nothing else, he's at least a safe pick. He's at least somebody safe to bring yeah. to the table.
0: And that's that's the kind of team he's gonna build. He's gonna build the safe team. And that's what we're gonna see this offseason, god damn it.
3: That's I'm hoping that be. if I publicly excoriate Chuck Fletcher enough, it's gonna piss him off and actually get him off his ass. Yes. And into the war room and make some real meaningful moves. I think that Jim, I what you so. said, a lot
2: of people were afraid of. They bring in this guy who's safe, who makes the playoffs, usually gets the second round every once in a while. There's that third round magic, but they're never really a contender. And that'll sell tickets still because they're still competitive. And I think that's what a lot of people were afraid of. And I think that's why a lot of people still come out and say, oh, they don't care. They got to do this. They got to do that. Yeah, they signed the big three of coaches and whatnot. But until they really make some moves this offseason, I understand some of those people's concerns.
0: I'm just depressed. I thought I was going to be in a great mood after the show, having Ross back on HW. Right.
3: Let's talk about some good things. All right. <laughs> the Philadelphia Flyers. All right. They were a fake first seed. Yes. Fine. But they did make the playoffs two years ago. The Flyers are incapable of making the postseason in back-to-back years. They're also incapable of missing the postseason in back-to-back years. Since they missed the postseason, they're certainly going to make the postseason next year. Now, how far they'll get, that's up to you. Say Why is it up to me?
1: It's positive.
3: It's up to you. Up to you. Here's right. a real question. Like if if you're out there and you're a Flyers fan and you're upset and you feel like I'm super negative, right? Because I don't necessarily believe that Chuck Fletcher is going to go out and make earth-shattering, franchise-altering moves like he might have to for them to be a Stanley Cup contender. Like what what do you really think this team is? Because there, there is that, that segment of the fan base that thinks this team is like a lot more like that January to March team from two seasons ago that was lighting the world on fire. They don't seem to buy into the idea that if COVID doesn't stop the world, there is a chance that from March on, they weren't going to be able to keep that momentum going. There's this belief that like that two and a half months of greatness is really what this team can be. Do, do any of the three of you believe that that's what this team could be? If you effectively ran this back next year, there's a chance that they can rekindle that magic. No,
0: I don't think they're built to be that. And look, the example I'm going to use is the New York Islanders. Like that's a team with, I mean, Matt Barzell, but they're mm-hmm. they're constructed to play as a team and win as a team, and they have guys contributing up and down the lineup. They you start look at their
1: the, fourth line every game,
0: right? If you look at the <laughs> Flyers, they're they're they have there's talent on the team, so don't get me wrong, but yeah. they're not built to win as they're not built to win as a team they, they don't have the proper pieces to win that way and so like russ Zito talking about,
3: he lost he what? lost he lost
0: oh get out really just
3: came out yep Lou I, won. that's why i brought it up that's again what? yeah Yep. Lou one
2: too he trained for Palmieri, right that's
3: it 12 Wait. He had? so he had 12 hold on a second this is wild hold on breaking news Lou got 12 first place selections. He finished with 104 points. Mark Bergevin um, got 13 first place votes, but only 79 points. So he had more first place votes than Lou did, but had uh, was that 25 fewer points overall. Bill Zito. Uh, led a close three-way race for third place that included Joe Sackage of the Avalanche and Kelly McCrimmon of the Vegas Golden Knights. So Bill Zito was like a distant third in this, but Bergeron should have. I mean, if you're going by first place votes, Bergeron won. If you're going by overall points, this is just for regular Limerick season, Limerick. too, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Limerick, what did he do with this? I don't know. I don't. What what put him over
1: this year compared to last? Resigning Matt Martin, <laughs> <laughs>
2: all the Mats, and he traded for. He's Palmeira, a hockey guy. I guess. Uh,
0: maybe, yeah. maybe the Flyers should start shaving during the regular season. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It works.
2: It works. Uh, Bill Garwin got no love. I mean, that team was nothing. Like a few years. I mean, Kaprizov comes in and makes a c- couple of tweaks here and there, pushes Vegas to Game Seven in a pretty tough, uh, top-heavy division. He hung with them. No love at all. None. It's true. Yeah. Sad. Anyway, it's your question there, Russ. I saw this team that was going for that run before COVID stopped everything. That team that we all thought could have won it all. They were so good. All they did was lose a couple of role players and one defenseman. And the fact that that turned this team and what it is this year. No, they need to move mountains there. If they run it back, I think he should be fired. Like it is ridiculous. How many holes they have? How many fundamental holes they have? How weak-minded they are? How weak in general they are? To see Scott Lawton—I say this almost so every podcast now—get jackknife power bomb at center ice and nobody raises an eyebrow is is an embarrassment. You know, like they need so many different tweaks here and there. We're talking about the big-name players. If there's any money left over, they need to add some, uh, sprinkle in some some serious grit or something to this team. Like I don't see this team as anything in the contender market at all. They're still a playoff bubble team. They caught magic for a while and that was really it.
3: Let me hijack your show one more time. There's a, there's another thing that's at play and it's another reason why it's such an, an important thing that they go out and address the back end of this team. People like to get caught up in the fact that Carter Hart wasn't the same guy this year. I simply point people to the home road splits of the 1920 season. Because for some reason, over time, this has just gotten lost to history. Carter Hart was a bad goalie on the road two years ago. When you look at his splits, save percentage at home, 94.3. On the road, 85.7. When you look at his goals against average, elite, 1.63 at home in 25 home games. In 18 road games, 3.81. There's more to the Matt Niskanen departure than that might have met the eye. If you're gonna hope to get Carter Hart back to what the perception of what Carter Hart was two years ago, which is kind of keeping that fact, those splits kind of you know off to the side, you need to address the back end of this team. Because for as many big splashy moves as you could theoretically make, or as many ancillary moves that you think can, you know, raise this team's ceiling, if you don't address that back end and you don't solidify Carter Hart to be more like that 1.63 goals against at home guy, this team has no shot. They cannot go into a season banking just on Carter Hart if they don't solidify that back end with legitimate top-end talent. And if they don't, then that backup goaltender, whoever it is that they bring in, has to be a guy that Elaine Vigneault can ride for three, four, five games in a row in the season if Hart is in his own head again. That's a whole other thing. There's, we didn't even discuss, because it, it sounds the more
2: this offseason goes on, or will go on, that Brian Elliott's not going to be back. And a lot of the names that have surfaced are Auntie Ranta, Jonathan Bernier, James Reimer's been brought up. I'm not too big on James Reimer, but are those some of the names you're considering? Are you considering, hey, we're going to, try to swing some kind of trade and hopefully they eat some money for like a Jonathan quick type. He can, he, you know, something crazy like that. Um, or are you okay with a Bernier or Ranta or somebody of that nature?
3: If you can get a team to eat money and you can bring a guy like quick in who isn't the same guy he was, but is at least reliable and could provide some kind of veteran leadership to, to heart, then that's worth it. Otherwise, you. I think you're going to end up going kind of bargain barrel and free agency. I don't think that you're going to find somebody who's much better than what Brian Elliott is, but the thing that you're going to get is probably better reliability than what Brian Elliott was just by virtue of his age, right, and by virtue of the fact that he physically was breaking down because he was getting called on to play more games in a compacted schedule than he should have been. The, the big issue is you don't want to spend – four million dollars on your backup when you have so many holes in front of net that you need to to shore up. So you have to try to figure out if it's a team eating money or if it's going out and, and making a, a you know a bargain barrel signing, that's what you're gonna have to do.
0: Columbus has a couple goalies. Maybe they make a move for Jones and they you know they toss him a goalie back. With him. who knows swallow, what's they say I've heard that yeah.
2: that as well. But I don't know. Yeah, they got
0: a couple guys over there. Breaking news over here from Chris McCarthy. Matt Niskanen will play next season. No, I'm just kidding. I love Chris, but I never know what's true or not here. So that would be interesting if Matt Niskanen played next season. said go on Hockey Buzz. I don't really use. Or Hockey just played Buzz it out guys. as
2: here's a flyer moved on.
0: That would be. Yeah. Great. That would be great. Yeah. Hey, I would have want to play with these guys uh, either. I don't blame him.
3: Shit, he turned
2: down
0: five Matt million Niskanen dollars to stay home. To
3: be the, he turns out to be the smartest guy in the room. <laughs>
0: yeah, man, are you kidding me?
3: Yeah, Believe dude.
0: It. I, we could keep talking. I want to, but we've had you on for an hour and a half, so I, I feel a little bad. Uh, I know you got stuff you got to get to. So do we. But uh, I mean, I don't. I don't know about Jack and Kyle, You got to fix
2: like. your computer.
0: I got to fix my computer, yeah. <laughs> so why don't we wrap this up, Russ? Uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? At? I'm sure, if, like I always say, that if they're listening to us, they already follow
3: and listen to you, but just in case. You can find me over at crossingbroad.com, where I've been writing a lot about sports betting, especially the NBA playoffs um and then of course snow the goalie the only flyers podcast i did acknowledge that i i said to my wife that was coming on the show and she said but snow the goalie is the only flyers podcast and i said that's true but high and white is the only philadelphia hockey podcast so there, there is that like that's, that's that's right you know philadelphia yeah.
0: hockey yeah right. philadelphia
3: hockey podcast we, we can yeah. we can all live in the same way where do you
0: something? see philadelphia hockey
3: podcast Listen, I'm just going to say it. That's what I'm going to call it. It's Philadelphia <laughs> Hockey Podcast. He dubbed it, Jim. Or, or we can say a a positional shot podcast, high and wide. But I don't yeah. think that rolls off the tongue quite as much. So I'm going to. Yeah, we'll go with Philadelphia. Or, yeah. Just don't Philadelphia call fanboys, okay? Oh, no, I don't, I don't think that you guys are the fanboys. We're not. <laughs> I don't know if you <laughs> ever. <laughs> They're out there, though. They are. Oh, they are. And that's okay. If you're a fan, by the way, if you're a fan and you're super positive and you want to believe this team is going to be great, by all means, you can. I have no problem with that. You should be able to enjoy the team as a fan. I will think that you're probably delusional and that you need to have a little bit of reality. But I do want you to enjoy the team.
0: Dude, you know what it means?
3: If you try to pass yourself off as somebody who covers the team objectively and you're fanboying, you're doing a disservice to those people who do want to be positive. There's a difference.
0: All it means if you're fanboying, and I I see where you're going with that. I'm just gonna stick to the fanboy part here. All (laughs) it means is you haven't been a fan of the of Philly teams long enough, right? Your heart (laughs) hasn't been broken yet. Yeah, your your head hasn't been stomped on in game seven of the NBA playoffs or whatever it is. Just means you haven't been a fan long enough. So fanboy it up. But when it comes time to the big boy conversations, maybe back off a little bit, all right? Because we've been around, we've been disappointed. We hate everything. Just let hey, us live our lives.
2: We actually saw them have success in the playoffs
3: that decade ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. So why don't we wrap this up before we go there?
3: Oh, Let's man, start. that la- that last comment that came in, that's that's good stuff. That's excellent. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm <laughs> – <Yeah. laughs> not, not only do I believe that that was said, I believe the person believes that it's going to happen.
0: Hey, maybe that's next fine.
3: year. You never know. Not if sure. you combine the next six years, he might get there.
0: You know what, uh, this, we we need to have you on again to talk. I have more topics I want to talk to Nolan Patrick's one. We'll do this another night. Let's, why don't we wrap it up here? I mean, plenty of people are still watching. You guys got anything you want to do? I'm just kidding. Let's wrap it up. So everybody, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for, uh, thanks for watching. Make sure to give us a follow HW radio 18 on Twitter, Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, trying to build up a YouTube following, not really sure how to do that, so just listen to me and go follow. Please subscribe HW Hockey uh, or High and Wide Hockey on there, and and let's let's build a, a YouTube following. Let's have fun. Uh, until next week, we'll be back with another High and Wide. Thanks, Russ.
3: Thanks for having me, guys.